0: Hey everybody, I'm Chris and with me is Matt and we're slowing down to better connect with the stories and the people around us between the miles. Matt, it is getting to be more and more like summer and uh, even though it's summer, we're still connecting with some great people and I'm excited about today's show. And uh, before we jump into it, why don't you tell us a little bit about today's guest?
1: Yeah, so uh, Tom Hayes is, uh, you know, Baltimore, born and raised and uh he he owns a business uh snowasis which if i'm correct chris it's it's on Padonia road in the timonium cockiesville area but uh what our listeners are going to learn is is uh you know this is a business a snowball stand that's been around for over 40 years um and started when when tom was uh working there at, at a high school and so Uh, man, I'm excited for where our listeners take this. Uh, but for me, you know, I think one of the biggest things is someone who's had that entrepreneurial knack gets that idea every once in a while, uh, to hear how Tom's executed on that and how it shaped a lot of his, uh, business and life afterwards. Uh, I think there's just a lot, a lot of great stuff baked in here.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And it's always fun to hear about those. Lemonade stands, or in this uh, 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 situation, snowball stand, uh, that grows into something more and, and grand. It's not franchise; it's it's still this uh, little stand on the corner, as Matt said, of Pedonia and York Road in Cockeysville. So, if people are uh, interested in checking it out, and we'll talk more about it on the back end, but uh, yeah, Tom and his wife Erin and other family members run this uh, uh, snowball stand that's been a huge part of Baltimore and Baltimore County, uh, as Matt mentioned, for the last 40 years. So without further ado, uh, pick up a a snow cone, a snowball, an ice cream cone, or a bowl of ice cream, and let's jump into this interview with Tom Hayes. Tom, how are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm well. I'm well, Chris. How are you?
0: I'm doing well, and uh, again, Matt and I are just so glad uh, to have you on the show, especially as the weather is heating up. Um, and uh, people have this taste for ice cream and snowballs, especially here in Baltimore, um, which we'll have to uh, talk about what a snowball is in a moment, Tom, because a lot of our listeners are from out of state, uh, out of Maryland, so I, I think it's really a regional thing. But before we jump into that, why don't you um, share a little bit about yourself, what you do, and, uh, and we'll go from there.
2: Okay, sure, well, um, thanks, I appreciate that. Uh, among other things, uh, one of the uh, uh, things that I've done over the last, uh, actually, 45 years is uh, we started a, a small business, uh, my family and I, um, back in 1977. It was a uh, little snowball stand. It's funny, my uh, two older brothers um, and were out uh, and talking to some friends of theirs who had this shed, this little 8x8 eight Uh, shed that they used to sell snowballs um, back on their property in the early to mid-1970s. And the kids had grown up and it was just sitting on the property. And uh, my older brother uh, lived in Ellicott City at the time. There was a snowball stand over there off of Route 40 that was very, very popular. I was 15 years old. So he came and spoke to my parents and said, "Hey, you know, this would be a great opportunity for Tom to have a summer job, and and um, you know we can help out at nights and the weekends. It'll be kind of just a fun thing for all of us to do." At the time, this was in the summer of or spring of 1977. Uh, the snowball stand was uh, located up on Greenside Drive near the library, uh, the current Cockeysville Library. Back then. Greenside Drive had just been cut through from Pedonia Road over to Pedonia Elementary School. Prior to that, it was just a wooded area. So we had access to a whole bunch of cars that started to come through. But you can imagine, it was very rural back then. So there wasn't really much going on those first few years. It was just me uh, selling snowballs and, uh, you know, (laughs) <laughs> in the summer and hanging out with my friends at the snowball stand and my brothers and their wives would come over in the evenings and on weekends when it was a little busier and uh, would help out.
1: That's a, that's awesome. So I, you know, Chris and I've alluded numerous times. We both grew up in New Jersey. So for our listeners who don't know what a snowball is, do you mind just describing the, uh, the Mar- M- Maryland delicacy? <laughs> Well, you know, snowballs
2: go way back in Baltimore, back to the early 1900s. They had folks on street corners shaving huge blocks of ice. You know, back before refrigeration, you had the ice companies. They would come around and they would sell blocks of ice to keep your your perishables cool in the summer. And uh, but folks in those hot summer days, they would take blocks of ice and they would shave them with these hand shavers and then they would uh, mix up flavors and uh, they would pour the flavors over the snowballs. And um, way back in the day, my parents actually made this, the flavors themselves um, using uh, extracts and uh, sugar water. And um, that's basically it. It's, it's, uh, it's shaved ice and um, it's placed in a cup and uh, various uh, flavors get uh, put upon it depending upon what that flavor is.
1: Now, if I'm not mistaken, too, do like do people put marshmallow on top? Is that Am I completely <laughs> confused with the dessert? Because I, I thought that that was a thing that I had heard once.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny. Marshmallow is one of the most popular. It's probably the most popular topping that we have. And I have to tell you, I don't like it personally. That's what's so funny about it. And I'm from this area. <laughs> I grew up in Baltimore, okay? So, um, but... So many people love it and uh, it, uh, it, it basically is, um, I wouldn't call it liquefied because it's kind of thick, but it's, that's basically what it is. It's marshmallow topping and we have a recipe uh, that we use. We've used it for years. My mom created it and we've been making it ever since. And um, we, we put it on top of the snowballs and people love it. It's just, a, it's just one of the toppings that's out there.
0: Yeah, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of it. I, I like the mixins. I, I like you, Matt. At first, I was like, "What is this uh, creation?" But it, it's good. And uh, uh, Tom, no judgment that you don't like it because you guys do it well. But um, you know, I, I want to kind of go back to your early years, and and you know, it, it's kind of funny because you think about that quintessential summer as a kid. People are doing lemon lemonade stands, iced tea stands. You know, um, I remember as a kid my summer jobs were always mowing lawns, right. Or doing mulch or uh, things along those lines, Matt, I'm not sure what your summer gigs were um, as a kid, or if you had a summer job, but. All
1: all the things you just mentioned. I mean, it was, it was, uh, you know, street hustling in Lake Hiawatha. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so,
0: so all this kind of stuff. Um, But for you, like this emerged and and granted, it's not your full-time job now. Right. But this entrepreneurial spirit where, do you know where that came from? Is that something that your parents had or is it just uh, what kind of fueled this idea of going from just a snowball stand to
2: something a little bit larger? You know, that's an interesting question. And that's one of the things that I, I try to reflect upon a little bit. Like, where did it happen? It almost seems like it happened by osmosis, you know, but um, going back uh You know, if I think about my family's history, uh, my grandfather, one of my grandparents, uh, he actually had, believe it or not, a candy business. He was a candy distributor in the Baltimore area, and he would go around and he would sell various confectionery items to drugstores and grocery stores, and, you know, he was self-employed. And I have to think that that's where it came from. And my brother, my oldest brother, who really had the initial idea of the snowball stand, uh, has an entrepreneurial, uh, you know, uh, side of him and uh, has always been. And um, I think that's really where it came from.
0: So has uh, has there ever been a desire to make snow aces or the snowball stand more because this is not your full-time gig right this is a it's, it's almost like you guys outsource this we'll talk a little bit later about all the college and high school students that you have that, that run the joint but like was there ever that temptation of like huh maybe we should go into the uh the ice cream or the snowball business full-time
2: well you know it's a funny question and it's another thing that i always think about because uh i i you know it's it's one of these what if questions because You know, while I was running the uh, snowball stand in high school, obviously, um, it helped put my way through college. I went to Towson University and got a business degree, and then I got out with the business degree and uh, still was running the snowball stand. My brother's children, uh, my nephews, uh, who really aren't much younger than me, my brother was the oldest in my family, and I'm the youngest in my family. So uh, I kind of grew up with my nephews. I'm only just a few years older than those guys. And I've been in business with them and my brother off and on in various businesses throughout the years. Um, In fact, my one nephew and I are are still, you know, we we run this business. My brother retired out of it uh, several years ago. But, you know, I graduated from college and um, I got a job, a sales job in the metals industry and uh, I worked in that job for probably 13, 14 years. And also, that's, that's really when we started hiring folks, you know. But I still had the snowball business. And I always thought the snowball business was going to go away. And, and it's funny, I tell friends of mine that, you know, it's the one thing that has been so stable in my life since I was a kid. You know, there's been a lot of other changes, but uh, the snowball stand is still here. <laughs> So, um, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I never really had the time to be able to, to commit to it, to really um, see if we wanted to get into franchising or at least licensing. Um, and, you know, I, I still may do that down the road once I really start to slow down in, in the other areas that I'm involved in. Um, but uh, I've been so busy with uh, just, you know, the normal, uh, job thing for the last, uh, many years that, uh, I never really, um, promote, you know, got to the point where I could promote this.
1: Do you see it as, uh, and I, cause I know we were talking before, right. You, you, you uh, you have kids. Do you, do you see it as something in the future that, you know, they're going to be involved in or, or pass along or, or that decisions, uh, you know, that's, that's to be left up to them.
2: That's really to be left up to them. I'm not sure. Um, it really is going to depend upon how much more I get involved um, in this business over the next, say, five to 10 years in a way of, of licensing and franchising and things of that nature. Certainly licensing comes to mind. Um, I think, you know, that's and if that takes place, then, yeah, there's there's definitely space for them to come in and, and take it over. But, you know, they're gonna wanna have to take it over. And, uh, you know, they're, they're both, um, I, I have, uh, you know I have uh, four children actually, uh, two older boys and then my younger two, uh, one's in high school, one's in uh, actually going into high school. Uh, three of my four children work there. Uh, they've all worked there at one time or another. My oldest is actually in the insurance industry now. So
1: he's, he's out, he's full time. So, um, going back a little bit, because I think you you might've uh, started to allude to this, but when did you know that it was a viable business? Right, like that this can continue, uh, we could do this every year, you know, during the warm weather months, like w- when, when did that light bulb go off?
2: Well, it, it kind of just happened, um, I would say 1990. In 1990, we, you have, to, you have to go back. Um, the snowball stand was small, as I mentioned way back when in this conversation, that, you know, we were in a rural area. This Cockeysville area was quite rural back in the 70s and even the 80s. You know, we didn't have Target. We didn't have Walmart. We didn't have all these places uh, where, you know, York Road is packed on the weekends now. It was quite rural. And uh, so it was a sleepy little business for many, many years. Um, but what happened was, was it started getting kind of busy, I, I would have to say when the library was built. And I believe the library was built in the late, mid to late 80s, somewhere around there. I'm not sure. You have to check me on that. But uh, when the library came along, that's when we really started to get busy because obviously there was more traffic and families and children headed to the library for books. And so we um, got too big for the neighborhood. You know, we technically were operating a business in a residential zone, and you can't do that. You know, it's, it, the, the county doesn't bother folks if it's just a little neighborhood snowball stand. You know, they're all over the place. But uh, we got too too big. So uh, we worked uh, with uh, some of the folks in the county to uh, find the spot that we're currently in. And we've been there since 1990. And that's when I knew that uh, it was Going to be a viable business uh, for for the foreseeable future, and here we are in 2021. You you gotta love once you're signing that paperwork,
0: right? To start a business, uh, it you can't get more tangible or real uh, in that way. Um, But um, you know, you mentioned as you went from high school into college, and then uh, went uh, along your career path, there was the need to hire people out, right? And as long as I've known you and known Snowasis. As a youth minister actually a lot of the teens in my ministry you've employed right and uh fortunately some of them have big families like the Waisons and the Wazalewskies and you know things like that but um so uh, what um tell me ab- about that thought of high school and college kids um not just uh why you hired them but like um what's some of the th- uh thought process be- behind who you hire uh, is it just the, the kid who wants a, a, a summer job or is there something even deeper that you see there as an opportunity for them to work at Snow snowasis? Uh,
2: that's a good question actually for my wife to answer because she <laughs> handles a lot of the human resource areas of yeah. the uh, of the company but no I, I think that um, it, it's evolved over the years you know I mean when we first started hiring people we hired one person. You know, a college kid. Actually, it was a guy. I still know him. He's in the area. He's really a great guy. He's been married, has kids. You know, he's on on the career path. And uh, and then we started hiring more people. And <clears throat> I I would have to say that um, we would hire folks from the local high school. And uh, in this case, it was Delaney, and uh, they had friends, and then they had younger siblings. And then it, they had friends and that's kind of how it evolved. Um, and then, of course, we've we've been sending our kids over to St. Joe's school for years and years and years. And we've been uh, kind of locked into that ecosystem of, of uh, students from St. Joe's and and then the high schools that they go to as they get older. Um, and then the third part of it is, is my wife is a fifth grade teacher here locally and she's been doing it for for several years and those children that she used to teach are now in high school so she has a sense of you know who's coming through and she knows their friends and knows a lot of families so that's really how it's evolved over the years well and i love you know the you guys seem to have
0: this network within or not necessarily network but connection into the community um you know matt uh i think it was two weeks ago i basically saw tom on st joseph's campus like three times for snow oasis purposes because they were helping out with the school and then with an event we were doing but tell us about like what you uh, like why community um connections are so important to you whether it's through snow oasis or just to you and Aaron and, and your family? Like, why does it matter to, to serve the community just beyond
2: having a business? Well, I think that's the the greater purpose for everyone. You know, I mean, um, I don't know. When I was younger, you know, it was all about, you know, getting the, the right job and, and chasing uh, the career. And, uh, you know, I went in that direction and that was great. Um, but it's just, it's just, it gives you, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's like what everyone says, you know, when you when you give of yourself and whatever you have, it makes you feel good. And uh, we really, we really, really like the school. We don't do a lot of events. Um, we're not really set up for it. It's one of those things where, you know, if I was more focused on the business than what I already am, I would really set us up as a caterer and get a truck and and really go out and focus on Community events, but I really like to do um, events in this in this immediate community and 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 to just uh, support whatever is going on, whether it's the church or the school or you know youth group. Um, it's just it's just it makes you feel good. I guess I'm selfish in that fashion. I don't know. <laughs>
1: um, was there ever a point? Right, maybe it was pre 1990, maybe. There was a point afterwards, but was there ever a moment that you thought you might have to close the doors?
2: Uh, Pre 1990, several times, um, just because of, uh, you know, we were a business that, that was growing and we didn't know if we were going to survive because we didn't know if there was a spot that was going to work for us at that time. That was really the time where I thought, wow, I'm, I'm glad that I'm working a company and uh, if necessary, I can, uh, you know, uh, be relocated around the country and, and never look back. Um, I had several opportunities way back when in the 80s, late 80s and, and up till 1990, really, where, uh, you know, they wanted me to move around and I, I turned down promotions for it because I wanted to stay local. So I think in the back of my head, though, I, I felt like, you know, there was something to this
1: you feel like it was the business, the roots in the community? Like, what was keeping you here? All of it.
2: it. It was all of it. It was my family, my my entire family's in this area. My parents have been in this area forever. Uh, you know, um, the business also was, was interesting to me. I've always had this entrepreneurial spirit about me. I've gotten involved in other businesses, um, which, you know, that's probably another podcast, but <laughs> um, and, and I just felt like, you know, I didn't really want to stay in the corporate world. I've been out of the corporate world since probably 1990, 1995, I think it was when I left. So I've been working for myself since 1995.
0: That, that's awesome. Um, and, that, and, that, and that's really cool uh, because when you work for yourself, right, there, there's almost endless possibilities, right? Um, but at the same time, you're also working with family you know, and we hear about family businesses. Now, I love my sisters and, and, and my brothers and everything like that, but I can't imagine ever running a business with them, right? Even a side business or side gig, you know, uh, um, and, and Matt, I don't know if it's the same thing with your brother or, or whatnot, or even running a business with my wife. So what what do you think, Tom, is the secret to running business, um, whether it's a side business or a full business with family members? Like, what, what's the key to making sure that work and life don't, overflow so much where, um, boundaries go away.
2: Yeah, that's, it's tough. There's no doubt about it, whether it's family or friends, uh, you, you know, if you've had any experience with it, you, you certainly know what I'm alluding to. It's, it's very difficult, but I think at least for us, um, define responsibilities. Who, who does what? Uh, I think that's the biggest, uh, thing that you need to focus on you know you you may have someone and and I tend to be a control freak there's no doubt about it I and I have you know that's something that I've been working on for years Um, but you know you have to you you have to stay in your lane and um you you know let that you know have the trust in whoever that person is to do what they're supposed to be doing and they need to trust you and what you're supposed to be doing and for us it's worked out very very well
0: yeah, so there. Um, I take it there haven't been any moments of huge break in trust or anything like that. It's just uh, something that you guys build on because um, that's something, uh, you know, you hear a lot that happens in organizations where trust breaks down, wh- whether it's friends, family members, or just, just co-workers in that regards. Um, you know, and, and maybe not so much with Snowasis, but with the other businesses and uh, um, uh, adventures you've been on. Uh, what what are some of the things that you see that really build that trust that really help people work well together that help people um, you know strive to reach goals together?
2: I, I think really you know it all goes back to and it's you know it's it's so simple to me anyway it's common sense in that it's communication. I, I think you need to continue to communicate with each other and you know uh, have an open dialogue. If you have a beef with the individual or they have a beef with you. You, you need to get that out in the open so that everyone knows what's going on. And um, that is what is really, really important, I, I think. I, I mean, you just, you got to be able to communicate with each other if there's any issues whatsoever. And um, if you can't do that, then you, you're, you're really creating a massive roadblock to your organization's
1: success, in my opinion.
2: How sounds sense- simple, but it's true.
1: Yeah, how... How those or how these experiences over the years? How how do you think it's shaped who you've become? And and are, are there ways that you try to instill that in, you know, the young teenagers, young adults that come and and uh, you know support, you know, what you created? Well, I I you know I, I've I've had
2: a lot of different things um, happen over the years, and some of the other businesses I've been involved with uh and uh, you know nothing majorly crazy or anything but I, I just think that if you communicate with the folks that you're working with whether it's your managers whether it's your employees in general uh your business partners uh that's really what you have to do and i mean even at snow you know with the managers that we have uh You know, we have people that have started out with us. They start really young. I mean, eighth grade graduates, you know, we can only have one or two a year. My daughter's one this year. Um, And uh, because you can't have a bunch of 14 and 15 year olds (laughs) running your business, you know, but they need to learn. And what happens is, is we have those age groups starting and then they'll stay with us through college. You know, I mean, they'll be 20, 21 years old. And still working for us, and um, they become managers once they get into college, and you know they're they're basically our shift managers. Whoever's on that shift, you know, what whether it's you know eleven to six or three to ten or whatever, you know, those folks we communicate with, we let them know. They let us know. You know, what are the issues uh, that we're facing this week, this day? Um, you know. Uh, it's, it's really, is it's all about communication to me. You know, but Tom,
0: I want to give you and Aaron and, and, and your nephew a lot of credit, you know, because as someone who works with young people, you see, um, and, and I feel like nowadays it's harder for young people to find jobs, to find work experience, right? But you guys, um, I think, have done such a good job of employing young people and giving them that responsibility, right? I I agree. You can't have a bunch of eighth graders running the whole business unsupervised, but the fact that, you know, I think I've been to your stand once or twice where you or Aaron have been where, you know, a a full grown adult has been there. Um, But mostly seeing like young college students or high school students. And and to me, that gives me hope for future generations. And so like, I want to applaud you. Because I think that's not, that's becoming more and more rare these days where we're entrusting young people with leadership um, and managerial opportunities.
2: No, I agree, I agree. And I I have to give Erin so much credit for this because she is a process person, process and procedures. And uh, we have a list of process and procedures. If you have a question, there is a process or procedure inside there, inside the stand in a book, and you can open it up and you can reference it. I don't care if you've worked for us for seven years or you're a first-time employee on your first day of work. If you have a question, the answer is in that book because we have all of this experience. I, I am not a detail-oriented person. I never was and I never will be, but Aaron is. She's very organized, a highly organized individual and uh, a really great person for process and procedure. And that's how we're able to develop these these kids. And I see it. I mean, I have kids who worked for us when they were 14 and now they're juniors and, you know, they're rising, you know, going in to be a senior in high school. And they have really grown in that short period of time. It's amazing to me that the the growth that they've had, we, we marvel at it. And I think the, the, you know, the process and procedures aspect combined with, with good communication and they know they can come to us with any issue they have. They've got a scheduling issue, a family issue that comes up and needs to be taken care of. We're there for them. You know, we'll, we'll work with them to help them with it. But, you know, with that also comes responsibility and accountability. And they know that they're, held responsible and they're held accountable. And it's all in this process and procedures manual that we have.
1: Yeah, you know, it actually, it makes me think a little bit about, you know, how often, you know, you, like you proverbially, right? Or or people will sit on the sidelines and they'll look at something and they'll say, wow, I could do that, right? So they'll go out and they'll get licensed. You know, I've been in the financial services industry right? Um, I've transitioned to the real estate industry. And there is such a fine line between the people who are successful and those who aren't, right? Those who endure and have longevity and and those who don't. And a lot of times, right? The the fine line is actually those systems, right? Something on a day-to-day basis that's repeatable that they know when they wake up, okay, if I Right. If my day looks like this and this is my most important thing and, and so on and so forth, I, I, I can be successful at this. It's the people that go into it with the entrepreneurial spirit and then they're trying to figure things out like they're building a plane like in the air. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's, uh, you know, again, to me, it goes back to a simple common sense uh, aspect of, you know, you have to have a plan. And you have to execute that plan. I mean, we've heard that so many times, but it is so true. So many entrepreneurs, so many folks that want to get into any kind of a business, they they have a great idea. And that idea may be the, the best idea in the entire universe. But if they don't know how to execute that idea, they're dead in the water. And you know, look at all the restaurants that fail. You know, what is I don't forget the uh, statistic but it's like 90 or 95 percent of all restaurants fail within five years and why is that it's it's mainly because they don't have execution they don't have process and they don't have procedures among other things but they're big big items on the checklist that everyone needs to be aware of
1: yeah it's funny because that was one of the questions that i that i wanted to ask right And, and maybe if we grab it T- you know, cause I, I, think we're, we're in, you know, systems and procedures and that might be the answer, but you know, if someone's listening to this and they're just thinking about getting started, right. And they're looking to take that leap. What advice are you giving to that person, right? They're on your back deck. You, you, you're, you you're talking to them over conversation. They, they think they've got this great idea. What advice are are you giving to them or, or, Helping them to maybe even look inward about, hey, this is this is a viable idea, and you know, here's here's how I think you can run with it.
2: Yeah, no, I I I would totally promote anyone that has an idea to pursue it, because at some point later in your life, you're probably going to wonder, what if, you know, and uh, you know, again, you know, it goes back to that old saying of, uh, you know, all the successful folks out there have had so many failures in their lives before they became successful. And you know, you're gonna have to stumble and um, you will have failures. Some will be small, some will be large. You may have uh, uh, you know, a business that, that goes under and that's okay. You can start up another business um, or you know, an aspect of this original business. Just try to f- figure out, diagnose what happened during the failure so that you don't repeat that same mistake in the future whatever it is. And um I, I think that's really where it is. You know, I would encourage anyone if they have an idea to pursue it, but also keep in mind that you know execution is key to any idea that you have. Is there a story
0: of failure that you're willing to share that uh maybe that you really <laughs> learned from uh in,
2: in regards to business or entrepreneurship um leadership? Yeah, I mean, what, one of the uh, I, I would say one of the biggest failures in, in my life from a business uh, perspective was uh, was about it was funny that you bring that up because uh, I had just told the company that I had worked for out of college that I was leaving them okay I was I was going to I was I was leaving them after I don't know I guess it was 13 years or 14 years of working for them and and uh, so I left so. And the reason why I left is, is that my brother and my nephews and I were uh, going to build a building down in South Baltimore in the area between Locust Point and Federal Hill. Now, this was in 1995. Okay? It was actually on Lawrence Street, which is uh, between uh, Ford Avenue and Key Highway. And it's right right up the street from the Museum of Industry. And if you go there today on that site, there's a large apartment building that's, that's been built. Uh, so we went down there and this was an industrial area. I mean, you had industrial plants in the area back in 1995. It's, the area has changed so much since then. And uh, we built the building uh, with a, the idea that we were going to put a snow oasis in one end of the building and then a pit beef restaurant in the other side of the building. And we sunk a lot of money into that building. And I mean, we, we had a land lease, okay? We didn't own the land, which I was against, but I kind of got outvoted by the rest of the family. They wanted to do it. So we all pitched in, uh, we entered into this land lease and uh, we built the building with our own funds. And uh, guess what? It never really got off the ground. But, you know, the funny thing, I mean, we did get off the ground, okay? The snowball stand did great, uh, but, you know, it was never enough money to um, make up for the loss for building a building and all of the restaurant equipment that we purchased. Uh, the Pit Beef restaurant just never took off at all. We didn't know what we were doing. We, uh, it goes back to what I was just talking about with regards to execution and process and procedure. We didn't know anything about the pit beef business. And it wasn't just pit beef. It was other things involved, but that was the main part of it. And uh, we were also in that area about 10 years too early. And there just wasn't enough down there to really uh, help us uh, succeed. We had a lunch business, but we didn't have an all-day business. The snowball stand was busy from open to close, very much like our business up here in Mm Cockneyville. So that was a, that was a major uh, failure for me. You know, that really was kind of a down part of my life. Um, I had just left, you know, a company with uh, all benefits and 401k and, you know, decent salary, a company car. And uh, it was, it was, life was good back then, but I, I took the leap. So um, we ended up getting out of that. And uh, I don't know, three or four years later, we ended up leasing it for a while, and then. To someone else who came in and it was funny, all the people that came in after us that we leased the uh, the business to because we owned the building, they they all failed as well. Hmm. So uh, eventually um, we just, we got out of it. We, we, we took our losses and we moved on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but I think it's like
0: what I've learned from that is you you move through that, right? And it it, like, yes, no one wants to lose money or have that kind of failure and everything like that. But um, uh, it seems like you guys learned some valuable lessons from that and experiences from that. And uh, uh, it doesn't sound like there's too many regrets outside the money loss or anything uh, through that experience. Am I correct? Oh,
2: yeah. No, there were no... uh you know there was no uh regrets regarding anything there no arguments amongst the family members like uh, you know you had your small Mm -hmm. small arguments about well we should have done this you should have done that you know (laughs) those kind of things but nothing that would really uh you know uh, make an issue of it um yeah i mean uh, i i don't have any regrets about it now obviously that's in the distant past and uh we're better off for it. all of us really you know we learned a lot from it it Really was another education in the school of hard knocks, you
0: know? and, and I think what's important too, something you mentioned, is timing is a huge part, right? It's it's having it's not just having the right idea and the right plan, but also the right timing, which is sometimes in our control and sometimes not in our control, right? Because um, you know, one thing I, I can share with you, uh, you Tom, and, and our listeners, is with my consulting business last year before uh, the pandemic you know um not that things were were dire but things were kind of getting tight before the pandemic with coaching and consulting uh, just because the market in which i am in hadn't fully formed yet and there was nothing like a pandemic for people to be like oh my gosh i need out, outside help i need consultants and coaches to happen and you know it's it's if the pandemic hadn't happened i don't know where my um my my side career would be at this point um and that's something right that's totally out of our control so but that's also the fun part about entrepreneurship, starting a business, right, is even though you can take all these calculated risks, there's still a little bit of rolling of the dice at the end of it, right?
2: Oh, yeah. You have to be a risk taker. Uh, anyone who's an entrepreneur that I've met who has started up businesses and, and owned businesses, you know, small little businesses like ours and, and you know, the multi-million dollar companies, you know, they're all risk takers, no doubt. Awesome. Awesome.
1: So, Number one, right? Uh, I appreciate you sharing that story and the the idea that you guys had couldn't have been any more Maryland, right? Pit beef and snowball together, um, but it, it. I think it's a lot of times what it, it, that you just allude to. It's what holds people back is it's that fear of failure. And so to hear that, you know, people can a fail their way forward, learn things through it, right? It's probably. It, it, which you've already alluded to, is it's probably made you, uh, you know, more successful in the businesses and the ventures that you did afterwards. And and so, you know, as I think about, you know, as we start to, you know, move uh, forward uh, in, in, I guess, ending the conversation or, or wrapping things up, but, you know, I, I think about the idea of, you know, what's kept Snowasis so successful over all, the, over all these years, even when you've gone and had these other ventures,
2: I think what, what's kept us successful and um, and relevant, really, and that that's another thing. You know, you when you have a business that's been around for a long time, you obviously can't stand still. You uh, you have to remain relevant. You know, we started out as a little itty bitty snowball stand. Uh, with, uh, gosh, I don't know, 12 or 15 flavors and some marshmallow topping that my mom would mix up and put in cool whip containers. I mean that's how, how crazy it was. And now we're becoming more and more of an ice cream shop. We've added uh, several years ago, I, I don't know, six years ago, five years ago, we added soft ice cream into our business. And that is really, really taken off. I've uh, you know, I wanted to bring in ice cream um, as a topping, and then move from there, and we've graduated into just about everything if it's soft-serve related. We can do milkshakes, we can do sundaes, we have parfaits, we have a host of toppings now. We really have morphed ourselves into an ice cream shop along with snowballs. Um, we'll always be snow aces, but, but you really have to remain relevant, and I think that's, that's the key.
1: So so people, right? Uh, because we, we learned earlier that you are not a marshmallow on top fan, but but people put soft serve on top sometimes.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's uh. my it's my favorite, Matt. Um, Matt, in fact, we'll we'll make a, a trip out to uh and um uh, it's called the mudslide, right, Tom? Uh, with yep. the ice cream and uh the snowball. And at first I was like, what is this? But they nailed it. I think it's great. Um, my father-in-law, who's a huge, uh, ice cream fan, he actually used to work in the old ice cream shops up in New York. And, uh, he's, he, he says you guys have great ice cream. So, you know, that's from a a New Yorker, uh, which they're hard to please at times, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just love what you guys are doing. I, the only critique I have is I have paralysis analysis when I look at that menu and I'm like, all right, I'm here once. I can't get all these flavors. How many flavors do you guys have of of, of snowballs? Well, right now we have over a hundred flavors. Yeah, yeah, that's just it's it it, but it's good. It's
2: it's awesome.
1: So, what's the most popular combo that that you guys have found?
2: Uh you know, well, actually, the most popular item besides the mudslide is a snowstorm, hmm. and a snowstorm a snowstorm is vanilla ice cream on the bottom, soft serve and a snowball any flavor that you want you can have an uh you know a cherry snowstorm an egg custard snowstorm chocolate snowstorms are very very popular because you have the vanilla ice cream and then you have a chocolate snowball so it's shaved ice chocolate in the in the middle if it's a chocolate snowstorm and then uh, vanilla ice cream on top and we sell a lot of snowstorms that's probably our most popular item on the menu Besides just a regular snowball,
1: what what's your go-to? What's your favorite?
2: My favorite is a chocolate uh, snowstorm. I love it. I, yeah. I've always, when I was a kid, I liked all the crazy kid, you know, skylight and uh, <laughs> ice cream and you know cherry. Uh, but uh, you can't be. Uh, you know, mudslides are awesome. I'm just uh you know, and that's got chocolate in it, so. Mm-hmm. You know they're awesome too, but I love that combination of a chocolate snowball with vanilla soft served ice cream. And our our soft served ice cream, um, Chris, you're and you know you know it's very rich and it's it's an excellent mix that we use. It,
0: it's the real deal. It's the real deal. Um, well, Tom, uh, we're we're gonna start wrapping things up here, but um, I love just the confectionate. Um, entrepreneurial, uh, lineage that you have in your family did not know that you said your grandfather, right. Was selling candies and stuff like that. And be interesting to see where, where things go. Um, but before we wrap up, Matt, uh, any, any last questions that we want to throw Tom Tom's away?
1: No, I'm going to have to look at the Facebook page before I go, because I am very much, uh, you know, when it comes to decisions, I'll, I'll just be standing outside forever. So, uh i'm gonna go snowstorm because i'm a vanilla ice cream guy for sure i just I, I gotta figure out what to pair it with
0: yeah well and your next daughter daddy date that you have with lucy you gotta you gotta take her so it's good it's good um but uh tom if people um i know you guys um have a facebook page is um and uh what um and an instagram account um how, how else can people find you or uh, things with snowasis
2: That's the best way right now, Chris, is uh, through Instagram or Facebook at this point. We're we are. I have one of my sons uh, working on a website for us right now, and uh, you know we're way behind the times on that. So uh, he's uh, he's he's got the uh, the knowledge and the time to actually work on that for us. So that's his task. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, when
0: that goes live, we'll we'll definitely link it to the show, but we'll have um, all the information um in regards to instagram and facebook um but tom uh just uh again thank you for taking the time to uh share with us a little bit of snowasis's story but also your story and allowing us to uh, connect you um with um hopefully potential and future customers and entrepreneurs uh so thanks again for being on the show
2: oh you're very welcome chris it's my pleasure anytime
0: Matt, I don't know about you, but I'm craving a snowball right now. Um, and maybe even a snowstorm or a mudslide. So uh, let's, uh, let's, let's get this outro done and, and we'll go up to Snowasis and get one. Uh, what do you say? Yeah, it sounds great. Awesome, awesome. All right. And, and, but no, in all seriousness, a great interview. Um, love uh, talking to Tom and, and just hearing that story um, about how Snowasis was created. Um, but Matt, what, what were uh, some of the takeaways that, that you had from the show?
1: well first you know one thing i didn't mention on the show chris is uh my first job was in an ice cream shop oh okay hold on which ice cream shop so at the time it was carbell uh okay down on beverwick road in uh in lake hiawatha
0: okay all right all right so yeah no i i had not been there um was that your go-to place
1: um as a as a kid growing up yeah, so actually, it's funny. We, we used to ha- uh, have lemonade stands in front of our house with our neighbors across the street. And we'd make all this money. So we could either go down the street to buy ice cream or we can go to this, uh, there was this like convenience store down the road and they had like every type of candy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So, so this conversation today really brought me back into the fact that my first job uh, was at this ice cream shop. Um, apparently I was terrible because I got um, fired because my Sundays weren't artistic enough. I won't dive any further. Well, hey,
0: Carvel has a high bar, you know, like if we're talking about premier ice cream, you know, Carvel is is at the top, my friend. So.
1: Yeah, I can't have a fudgy to like to this day. I'm just so jaded about it. Oh. <laughs> but what it brings me back to is the fact that, that Um, You know, there are things that happened, you know, for a reason, right? So for one reason or another, I was fired from that job, you know, and it was not the path that I was supposed to be on. Right. But there were things I learned while I was there. And, you know, I think Tom alluded to, you know, a couple of things uh, is, you know, number one, for businesses to be successful, there's got to be defined responsibilities that people could, you know, communicate properly properly hold each other accountable to the highest standards. And if you're gonna have success over time, those are really a lot of the bedrocks of, of a good business. Mm,
0: definitely, definitely. Yeah, I, I I mean, it definitely takes a plan and it definitely, um, you know, it, it, it's about following, um, you know, like making sure that, that you have direction, that you have focus on, on where you're gonna go. And uh, you know, Matt, I'm sorry that, uh, couldn't handle the Carvel excellence and everything like that um i I have to throw in my my go-to place and i don't know if you ever went to was denville dairy um yeah yeah, Yeah. main street and stuff like that uh in in denville and what always bothered me and what i love about ice cream now is you remember um back in the day when ice cream places would close down during the winter
1: yeah yeah i mean what's interesting is, you know, we, we talked to Tom and I think they're only open May through October, but at least ice cream shops, you know, the, the other ones that are, you know, kind of a full-time business. Yeah, it's only like a December, you know, December, January, maybe February thing. But um, you know, I guess it, the lights cost more than, you know, having all this stuff costs a lot more than uh, being open.
0: Yeah, because sometimes you just need fresh ice cream in the middle of the winter. But anyway, um, <laughs> I, I love how you, you, you brought that up, right? Like, because Snowasis, one of the things that's amazing about that place, too, is it's just it's really a summertime business. I mean, they go pretty late into the fall. Like, I think they've been open um, uh, late October and, and uh, they've been open since late April, um, you know, early May and everything along those lines. Um, but uh, what I loved about um, this interview, too, was uh, Tom's willingness to talk about failure, right, and about the risk that does take place with entrepreneurships and and um, you know you and i have you know talked about that before with when we had our episode on dealing with change and everything like that and how sometimes there's that risk um even though change is inevitable that sometimes there's a risk to lean into that change um so definitely appreciate that um uh, you said there were a couple of other things too that uh, popped
1: up just one other thing and i feel like this could be applicable to life in general not just you know business owners and things like that but you know, Tom said, uh, to serve is the greatest purpose for everyone. And that yeah. was just like, he said it like not even matter of factly, but it, that just resonated with me and, and, uh, something I wrote down, um, and I'll keep with me.
0: Well, you know, and, and to break that open a little bit more, right? Like the snowball stand Graham, maybe as a kid, it was to make a little bit of cash or there, but like, um, never and he 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 mentioned how he's been in other businesses or started other businesses and while it it is to turn a profit it seems like there was always a greater cause to that or a greater need right like to provide food was joy to provide these businesses um you know and he shared one of the businesses he does offline with us but like how it provides there's a love that comes with that and you can't serve people if you're expecting you know some kind of like financial exchange it's all about just sharing that love uh love for our fellow brothers and sisters you know and, and so i thought that was huge and i uh, like you I'm, I'm i'm holding on to that as well um any last thoughts or um words that you want to share uh in regards to this interview
1: now i'm 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 excited just uh keep meeting great people um you know hearing hearing their tremendous stories and and honestly uh, you know i feel like uh this this you know it's part of the purpose of just being lifelong learners that I, I think you know that we both are so uh till next time right definitely definitely well and and uh,
0: i think you bring up a great point and something we want to share with our listeners is if you know someone especially someone in the maryland area that you think we should reach out to that you think would make a great conversation uh feel free to shoot us an email at info at between the um, or if you have a question or feedback about the show, again, you can shoot us an email at info at And if you liked this show or um, want to check out more, uh, go to our website, BetweenTheMiles.com. Again, that's BetweenTheMiles.com. Or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram. Um, and uh, you can definitely, um, you know, leave us a message or a shout out there. If you liked this show or other shows, we would love it if you left a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or anywhere this uh, podcast can be heard. And uh, and of course, um, if you enjoy this, share it with a friend, a family member, a neighbor, anyone you're looking to get to know, maybe share it with someone over a snow cone or a snowball. Um, but on uh, behalf of Matt, uh, I'm Chris, and with me always is Matt, and we're slowing down to talk to the people around us between. Wow. in a Between the Miles production. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by Jan Studio Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.